All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome back to Dropping the Gloves with Tim and John. Thanks for joining us. We love the fact that you're here. It is really fantastic. And we got another good sh- surprise, surprise. We have another good show, Tim. Have we ever had a bad one? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe a couple, but not today. It's going to be a fantastic show. We are into the second round. We were talking before we came on air, everybody. And I I was likening the second round. I was like, Tim, I'm not too excited about the second round for whatever reason. I feel like we were spoiled in the first round. All the, all the matchups were just, it was intrigue. It was great. It was uh, the unknown. And then everything went to game seven, the Rangers and the Penguins. That was great. They hate each other. The Canes and Bruins. That was a surprise. The Oilers getting pushed to seven by the LA Kings. That was great. The Flames getting pushed by the Dallas Stars in what might go down as the most boring seven-game series in hockey history. And then, of course, in my opinion, what could be the best series in all of these playoffs when it's all said and done, the Bolts and the Leafs. We were so incredibly spoiled in the first round. It's hard to get excited for the second round because you look at the matchups. It's like, yeah, it's great. It's it's good. Like Rangers and Hurricanes. No, you know, it's fun. Panthers and Tampa Bay, you know, interstate rivals. That's that's fun too. Abs and the Blues. That's great. The one I am a little bit amped up for is the Battle of Alberta. People have been clamoring for this for a long time and we're finally going to get it. But it's just, it's it's like after Christmas morning, Tim, you know, when you open up all the presents, and then they're all open and you just kind of sit around and you're like, what's next? Like, uh, now what, what do we do? What do we do now? I, I feel like that was the first round. We opened up all the presents of the first round. We had five game sevens in two days and now they're over. And now it's like, well, now what? Oh, we're still doing this. We're still playing hockey. Like that was just the first round. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope these series live up to the billing. You know, we have the eight best teams in the NHL per se i'm doing air quotes because i feel like we lost a couple good teams that deserve to be in here but you know what that's that's not for me to argue we have eight teams now and we had two games last night we had the tampa bay lightning the two-time defending stanley cup champion tampa bay lightning that just rolls off the tongue now they played 
the Florida Panthers, the president's trophy averaged a million goals a game, Florida Panthers coming into the second round with, I think more questions than answers because they, they did not play well in that first round. I said it last show where I think if you were to ask anybody within the Panthers organization, they were maybe the worst team in that matchup. I think the Capitals really gave them a good scare and every single game, the Capitals came to play, and arguably they should have maybe won that series. But hey, they moved on to the second round. They did what they had to do, and they they were going to slay some demons. Tampa Bay beat them last year in the playoffs in the first round. This was it. They got they got Giroux, they got Sherratt, they got all these big. We we won the deadline. This is it. We we got all the top guys. This is our year. Oh, Tampa Bay, you got Hagel and Paul. We got Claude Giroux for Pete's sake. We got Ben Sherratt. We got these guys. Well, you know, it's just same old, same old, Tim. Tampa just came out and won this game 4-1. to one. You look at the box score, you go 4-1. to one. Well, they must have dominated from start to finish. Wasn't the case, Tim. What, ha- what happened to the – what happened to this game, Tim? Hmm. Uh, well, I think it was it's, – it's like two different games in one is what it felt like. And I think the Panthers came out hot. I didn't watch most of this game just because it wasn't on ESPN plus and you know, I don't have cable. It's a lifestyle choice, but I did watch this and um, the first half, the Panthers were all over the lightning and they just weren't able to bury for whatever reason. Vasilevsky stood tall. He looked really good. Yeah. You know, Huberdeau and Barkov and all those guys flying up and down the ice. They couldn't finish when they should have been able to at least get a couple goals. And all of a sudden, it's coming back the other way. And, you know, the lightning tend to get better as the game goes on. And then you had that play from Kucherov. Did you see that play, that assist? Oh, my gosh. It, it's That's the best goal in the playoffs so far. And he made it look just so silky, smooth, effortless. He didn't move the puck that far from left to right or anything. He faked out the entire Florida Panthers team, everybody. And he wasn't going up against Joe Schmo. He's going up against Aaron Ekblad, arguably one of the top defensemen in the NHL. Ekblad bit hook, line, sinker, thought Kucherov was going in the middle of the ice. And Kuch just casual, calm as can be, forehand, backhand. Even the crowd, did you hear the crowd's reaction? Even the crowd was like, whoa, that, that was really good. Like, that was incredible. It was the greatest move I've seen in the playoffs so far. And McDavid's had some really great goals. That was incredible. McCars had some great goals against Nashville, the overtime short side cheat. That was an incredible goal, Tim. I don't know what else to tell you. In that first period, Florida dominated for the most part. The players who stood out to me were Huberto. Huberto was dishing. He had a lot of time. He was facilitating. He set up. Duclair a bunch of times. He set up Bennett a bunch of times. Verhage had a couple chances. Giroux had a couple great chances. The only reason Tampa's in this game is Vasilevsky played really, really good. Like, really, really good. They got the one goal from Anthony Duclair on a feed from Huberto. Vasi has no chance. Like, he slides across. He uses his, his width and his length to almost get a, get a blocker on the puck, but... Boy, if Florida has any chance, if they had any chance in this game, they had to put three or four up in the first period and a half. That was that was it because they were all over them. I think the shots at one point were like 26 to 11. The chances were even worse. Florida was dominating. I think Tampa was maybe a little, you know, 
I don't know, a little hungover from the big win in Toronto a couple of days back. You know, they travel back. You don't skate. Braden points out a lineup. They dress seven defensemen. So it's a lot. It's a lot for these guys. But they, once they found their legs, once Kucherov made that move in particular, it was at the end of the second period. They get a power play right after that, and it's off to the races. It was a completely different game. And I'm not saying Tampa took over, but they were a different team after that point. They were competitive. It was it was an even game from that point on. Sorry, I just jumped in there, Tim. It was a great move by Kucherov. You know, we were all excited for this this battle of interstate in Florida. These two teams, two arguably of the top three, four, five teams in the whole league. Were you surprised in game one we didn't see more of the, that hatred, the battles, the the scrum, that kind of stuff? It seemed like a pretty passive game on both sides. Yeah, especially last year when they played, Florida's game plan was to put Tampa Bay through the boards. Every time they had the puck, every time they had a chance, Florida really tried to just kill everybody on Tampa Bay. And I expected them to have that game plan again tonight, especially after Tampa's coming off a of game seven versus Toronto in a very, maybe not physical game, but it, it, there was a lot going on there. And Florida's fresh. They played a Washington Capitol teams without Tom Wilson. They, it wasn't that physical. I expected them to do a little more damage. But when you look at Florida's lineup, Who's going to hit for them? Ryan Lomberg? You know, who? who's the guy? Sam Bennett, and he's a physical guy, but he's your second-line centerman. Who was the guy on that team who's really going to instill fear in the Tampa Bay Lightning, who's going to get in on the defense and forecheck and do some damage? They don't have anybody who can get up. Like, Hornquist is their fourth line with Lomberg. Those guys aren't going to get in on the forecheck. Noel Akari? Guy's like five foot five. So I, I think they don't have that aspect to their team where it, if I'm a Chernak or a Hedman or a McDonough, a Sergachev, all these defensemen, I am not worried whatsoever going back to get the puck. I'm, I'm confident if I do get it, I'm going to be able to corral it, fight off a check if there is a check. That's not Florida's game this year. Florida's game is to be water bugs, buzz around the ice, get the puck, play keep away, and just run and gun up and down the ice. That's how they built their team. So I, I, I don't see this being a physical series. I see this being, you know, a five four game, a four three game. It's it's not going to be a physical series like we're going to see in the Western Conference with those four teams. So, no, I'm not surprised. I think, gosh, it must be frustrating to be Florida. It, it honestly must be frustrating. You, you you win the president's trophy. You pick up every good offseason pickup you can. Like I, like I mentioned, the Sherrats. You get a Sam Bennett. You get a Sam Reinhart last year. You're doing everything right, but you still. And it's the same thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It must be so frustrating. It's just Tampa Bay is too stinking good. They're they're too good. They're missing arguably their second best player in Braden Point. He's gone for a foreseeable amount of time. And they still walk right through you. You had a good first period. You didn't score. And you lose the game four to one. Yes, it was close. You could have won. You should have won this game. But Tampa somehow, someway always finds a way to win. That, that has to be frustrating. As a Florida Panthers player and coach and GM and owner and everybody, like you have no business losing this game. Tampa comes out with a 4-1 win. I don't know how else to say it. Tampa mentally is just better than all these teams. Because on paper, they match up really well. Florida is more talented. Maybe Tampa has the edge on the back end, a slight edge. But they, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to brass tacks, it was the same in the Toronto series. It's going to be the same in this series. Tampa mentally has the edge. 
and we can talk about, oh, mentality is not a thing. If you're just predisposed to winning, if you just assume you're going to win, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of who's in the lineup, whatever happens, we are going to win. And Tampa has that edge. Florida expects to lose when it's a close game. And they have that in the back of their head. Oh, we're playing Tampa. They've beaten us time and time again. Before the puck is even dropped, you're already behind the eight ball. And it's just, it just must be frustrating to be a player in Florida or a coach. Or, how do you beat Tampa Bay? How do you do it, Tim? Well, it's tough because I think Florida led the league uh, and during the regular season in comebacks after the first and second periods. Um, so, like, most of the time they're in the game and they're, they're never out of it. Even down, like, two or three goals, we saw them time and time again against Toronto in the, late in the season where they just they come back and they, and they come back and win those games. Or like you said, playoffs are a different animal and Tampa's a different animal, and they're not going to give you that opportunity most of the time. So it's got to be frustrating, I think. And then even even with that frustration and being behind the eight ball, Florida did have a chance to win this game. They're down two to one. Tampa, this is where the controversy sets in. Did you see the 3-1 goal? Tampa's on the power play. Sorelli's in front of the net. He's screening Bobrovsky. Kucherov gets the puck. Beautiful shot goes in. The replays show Sorelli hits Bobrovsky's head with his, with his behind. And it was just enough. And you can see Bob's head. It gives him a little whiplash, and by the time he corrects his head to square to the shooter, the puck's already by him. Now, what makes this tricky is before Sorelli hits Bobrovsky's head, you can hear the ref, and you can hear it clear as day. He says to Sorelli, screen's good, you're good there. And that's a common thing in the NHL. Refs talk to defensemen saying, you're good, you know, that that's enough cross-checking, you know, you're, you're getting close, or you're, you're, in, you're, you're fine, you're not in the blue. If you're in the blue, he's like, get out of the blue. That's a common thing, so I don't want to harp on that. What I will say is, after he says you're good, Sorelli backs up a little bit, and he's in the blue. So when Bob comes to square to the puck, he's in his grill, and he picks his head. I don't know how this is not goaltender interference. I, 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 don't, I don't know how you could just allow this goal. It doesn't make sense to me. And so Florida challenges it. They lose the challenge. And then they Tampa gets another power play because of that. And then Tampa scores again. So a 2-1 close game turns into a 4-1 game based on one, one play that doesn't go Florida's way. So Florida is definitely in this game. And this one, it was a penalty. To me, it's clear as day. What did you think? Did you think it was a call? Was it... I don't know, because to, to me, it, it pings of the referee saying he's good and then going to see if it's a penalty and be like, well, I told him it was good. So, what, like, uh, you know, maybe he's just feeling guilty or I, I don't know. What do you think of this play, Tim? Because I, if I'm a forward, oh, I'm upset if I'm, if I'm Barkov right now, if I'm Andrew Burnett. Like, that was a stinking penalty. Yeah, I, I, think, <clears throat> I think they have a right to be. But I'm watching uh, an overhead uh, yeah. gif of it right now, and – it's tough because when Sorelli makes contact with him, he's not in the paint. Bobrovsky is. He's not. Bobrovsky's head just a little bit forward. So it's like I can maybe that must be why they didn't call it back. But at the same time, the goal was making a play. He's in his area. And, and the, that goal only goes in because he knocks his head aside. So it's like you got to call goaltender interference there, I think. But, man, that's it's tough. I see why. I think that's probably what they saw that made him not call it back. So the call on the ice was a goal. Sorelli's not in the paint at the point of contact. Uh, that's tough. That's tough. It's a that's tough, a tough one. way to go. 
the goaltender is allowed to establish his position mm-hmm. as long as he's in the blue. And it's not like Bobrovsky's playing above the blue. He's in his crease. So he has to be able to establish himself. And he's not, he's not able to. Sorelli's there too. Maybe his heels are just nipping the blue. It, it, he's, he's not egregiously in the crease. Maybe he's nipping he's not it. Not at all. He's not, not at all. In the his point butt of contact. Is, his butt is. Yeah. No, I'm telling you. Like you I'm straight over. Bob's head is. Bob's in his crease. Bob's no, his feet are and his body yeah. is, but his head's his head's forward a little bit. He's a, the way I read the rule. He is allowed to establish himself as long as he's in his crease, and anything that gets in his way or impedes his movement, that's goaltender interference. And in a game when it's a two-one game in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, you got to call this goal back. You have to. You can't let a game be decided by this. I'm usually, you know, for goal scoring and, you know, players getting in the crease. If he doesn't hit his head, it's, it's a save. Yeah. I've seen it, Tim. Tim's showing me. He Look picks it, his head. He's not in the, his left skate. I see is in that, the but yeah, no, it's not. Not his now. Left skates and in the crease it, right there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. After, after no, the, during, the contact. And the you goal. just can't see it. Cause no. it's, he's, he's in the crease. He's not. This is, this is terrible content. In my opinion, Sorelli's left skate is in the crease right there. After contact. The puck's already in the net. No, no, no. He's, his skate's in the crease before the puck's in the net, and his butt hits his head before the puck's in the net. The puck's in the net now. So anyways, go and look at it. I would like to know everyone's opinion. I think it's not a goal. And I know at the end of the day, Tampa Bay was already up 2-1. to one. Florida doesn't get that equalizer, but you know, there's a difference between four, one and two to one. Do you pull your goalie? Do you have that push at the end of the day? Tampa wins four to one. They get that ever important road win. They set the tone of this series. They're going home regardless, feeling good about themselves. Florida is kicking themselves. Maybe they let this one get away. Vasilevsky's feeling good. Is this series over? Are we getting a little too ahead of ourselves? I picked Tampa to win. I believe you picked Tampa to win. Is this going to be a tough? You picked Florida to win? I did. Yep. I don't know why you did that. Is <laughs> is this series over before it's even begun? No. Boy, oh game boy. One. Tampa's going to leave this game going. We really played dumpy in the first period and a half, and we win this game four to one. Is Vasilevsky just coming out of his fog that was Toronto because Toronto's got a lot of good snipers better than Florida. I don't know. I don't know, Tim. It, if this series no, could be think over about in it. a hurry. Think about it, though. It was 2-1, to one, a super close, hard-fought game when the Sorelli incident happened, and then Tampa got two goals out of that. If he doesn't get it, it's a completely different game. And so, and that shouldn't have been a goal. And so, yeah, I, it's, I think it's closer than the, than the score indicates, and I, I don't think they're as nervous as, as you say they are. I don't know if these two have a history. If I'm Florida, I'm saying, here we go again. We, you know, we lost last year to these guys. I think it's over. I think it's over. I think, uh, I think this could be a sweep just based on the first game. I, I, I don't say that lightly. I do think Tampa could sweep this series and it would be <laughs> Gosh, Tampa's so good. They're so incredibly good. They're fun to watch. Kucherov, Kucherov and Huberdeau. If you if you guys watch these games, just watch those two. They're incredible. They are absolutely incredible at the puck. Tampa has to do a better job of closing off Huberdeau. They can't give him that much space. And Kucherov, you can't you can't do anything. He he's so incredibly good. 
All right, moving on. Another game last night. The Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues. Once again, no one gave the Avalanche any chance. I thought the St. Louis Blues were going to put up a fight. I thought the Avs would win the series, but St. Louis was going to, they were going to show up. And that's exactly what happened. Jordan Bennington played fantastic. The Colorado Avalanche, from start to finish, um, completely dominated this game. The, the ice felt like it was tilted. They, what was the shots attempts that you, that you saw, Tim? It was incredible. I had never seen a disparity this wide before. Yeah, the shot attempts were 106 to 45 in favor of the Avalanche. That is more than double. That is mind-boggling. That's insane. That is incredible to be able to throw 106 shots on net. And how many attempts? Attempts. Attempts, yeah. Yeah. Throw 106 shots on the net. 53 actually made it there. Bennington gets 51, or 54 made it there, excuse me. It was it was an incredible performance for Colorado. They were buzzing. Everybody was ripping around. You know who stood up for me for Colorado? A guy who gets takes a lot of heat, especially for me, Samuel Girard. He played great. He was all over the ice. Him and Josh Manson have just formed a good second deep pairing for Colorado. He is a poor man's Kale McCarr, Samuel Girard. He's not good on the defensive end. That that's well known. Everybody knows about that. That's why you bring in Josh Manson. That's why you let, you know, Samuel Gerard just go and do your thing. We got Manson back there to kind of cover you up, my friend. Gerard was all over the ice. He played fantastic on the power play, five on five. He was really, really good. Uh, if they continue to play this way, I don't, I don't know who can beat them. It, it was an absolute clinic. If Bennington is not in net playing the way that he's playing, this, the score seven to two. They had so many grade A chances that Bennington robbed them or they just missed a puck. Like Eric Johnson had a wide open net for Pete's sake. And he just, I don't know what he did. It was a bad shot. This could be a sweep as well. Colorado looks Mm. so incredibly good. So incredibly good. Their first line, Nishushkin, Ranton and McKinnon, they, they look so good. Arteri Lykanen should have had a goal. He was robbed. Kadri played well. Landis, Tim, it was an it, it was a clinic. Is there any hope for St. Louis in this period in this game? I mean, I think I think there is. I mean, we, it wasn't their game last night, but like I said last time, I think if if the Avs go to the finals, and I think they will, this will be the toughest matchup. And I saw another another podcast talking about uh, the winner of this series is going to win it all. So I think these are two teams that are that are that are really good. I disagree and, with that. So the winner of this series is going to win it all. So if St. Louis wins, you honestly think they're going to win the Stanley Cup? I think I like them against Calgary and Edmonton. So, yeah, I think they go to the Stanley Cup. Here's the thing, though. Do you, okay, just say the Avs. I think it's going to be the Avs. Does anyone in the East have a chance against them again, except for Tampa? Absolutely. I think every team in the East has a chance versus them. I think Carolina would, would be well. The Rangers, obviously, were, are the weakest link in the East right now. I think any team in the East would have a chance versus any team in the West. The East is strong. Absolutely strong. I think Florida or Tampa have the two best chances, but don't sleep on the Rangers, Tim. They're a good team. They're they're a sneaky good team, and they're just getting that confidence. They're a young team. They're going out there. Kako's going to – I truly believe Lafreniere, Kako, Fox, these young guys, they're just getting better and better and better. Panarin is a superstar that no one talks about for whatever reason. He is so incredibly good. I just – I'm telling you, Tim – don't sleep on the Rangers. Don't. Don't do it. 
Yeah, uh, and the other kind of striking figure from last night, the game goes to overtime. Kairou scores that that late power play goal, but three Let's minutes. Let's talk about that third. goal real quick. Did you you probably didn't watch this game either because you don't have ESPN Plus. So I only terrible, have ESPN Plus. Terrible, terrible, terrible defensive play by Kale McCarr and Devin Tapes. So they're killing a penalty. Rule number one as a defenseman when you're killing a penalty. When the puck gets cleared, you have to make darn sure the puck goes 200 feet all the way down the ice. If it doesn't go all the way down the ice, the person that's furthest away from the bench, in this case, it's the left side defenseman, and it's going to be Devin Tapes. He needs to stay on the ice. He cannot change at this point. They both change. It's it's a yard sale change. They're both gone. Jumps on Eric Johnson jumps on the ice. His partner jumps on the ice. Nico Sturm jumps on the ice and it's just a dead sprint to try to get over to the St. Louis player. And you look at the replay, all these Colorado guys are funneling off the bench and they don't know where to go. They're running around like a chicken with their head cut off. Cairo slows up a little bit. They go flying by. He manages to keep the puck. And then it's just a goal because there's no avalanche, even in the screen because they were just ripping from the bench all the way on the ice. So it's a bad play by Taves and McCarr. They're one slight out of the whole game from a perfect game defensive-wise. That was a slight. They need to clean that up. You have to be smarter if you're Devin Taves. You cannot change. I don't care how gassed you are. Like You have to stay on the ice just to allow your players to just to get on the ice. And you can't let the other team just go blue line to blue line and just come with speed. Like that. That's rule number one as a defenseman on a PK. You never, ever, ever, ever change in that situation. So other than that, Thought it was a good game for those guys. I just I just wanted to point that out because they don't even go to overtime if they don't make that mistake. That's true. And the puck didn't even it wasn't even close. It like it barely crossed the other blue line. You know what I mean? Yeah. So really tough change. They go to overtime. Colorado outshoots the blues 13 to 0 in overtime. Just total domination. And then finally, you got a great play from Landis Gog, who had a great game, two assists last night. He's kind of forcing the puck, goes from low uh low to high and up to Manson there. And Manson, another tra- a trade deadline acquisition, who's doing really well. You could, I love that patience on the blue line. He waits, he waits. You think he's going to shoot. You think he's going to shoot. He takes an extra second, changes his lane a little bit, finds the back of the net, and the game is over. It was a great play from him. It is. He waited for the screen, and he, sh- he shot it through, I think, four people. There, were, there was a bunch of blues, a couple avalanches. Great shot, great goal. Binnington, feel bad for the guy. You know, he was just up and down the whole night. He must be sore this morning. Game two is tomorrow. Tim, I'm putting a fork in it. I, I think Colorado's won this series. Just from <laughs> it, it, it's it's their Both two series games. are over already, huh? We should move on to the third round. Well, we'll see what happens tonight because there's a lot of unknowns that are going to happen tonight. And let's just transition right into that. But first, I'm hungry and I'm going to do my door. Now we always forget to do ads when we get fired up with these playoffs, so we got to get this ad in. So everybody listening, <laughs> use DoorDash. It's fantastic. I use them. Tim uses them. Everybody in the world uses them. So you should use them too. Use promo code GlovesDD if you're in the Canada. Use promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in the US of A. Get yourself some food. Get your DoorDash app. Go to their website online. Use it on your tablet, wherever you uh, pretty much surf the internet. DoorDash is there. Promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDD US if you're in the US of A, you get 25% off, free delivery, and it honestly is a great company. It comes in handy, especially when you got a boatload of kids that I do. I got one on the way. 
well, who's making dinner? I don't know. There's boogers on the ceiling. What are we going to do? Let's order DoorDash. It's so incredibly fast. They get your, your food when you want it, and it's not expensive. And uh, they don't do any shady stuff like Uber Eats. That company's terrible. They use DoorDash. It's uh, fantastic. All right. On to the other set of games that are going down tonight. We got the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes, both coming off dramatic game seven victories. The Rangers came back from three to one deficit versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. Carolina Hurricanes finished off a pesky Boston Bruins team. By the way, did you see DeBrusque's comments after the season? Not committing to the Bruins still. He's like, you know, we're going to see how it goes. Like, bro, you just signed like a two-year deal. Like, just stop creating controversy. Why bother doing that? Like, I just don't get it. I don't know. Bruins are a mess. That's why the Canes won. All right. We're going into game one. What are the keys here, Tim? We're going to break down this series quickly. Same with the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. Who's got the edges in each category? Because that's what it boils down to, right? We got an offense. We got a defense. We got a goaltender. We got, you know, power play, penalty kill. Who's got the most depth? That's what everybody talks about. Who's got the edges, Tim? What are we doing here? Well, let's start up front. Uh, I think we start with offense, and I think that's the the clear edge to the Rangers. I don't think it's it's a it's a huge margin, but I think it's clearly theirs. Uh, you know, they got that star power up front, the Panarin, the Zavanajad, Kreider. That you know, the Canes don't really have. I, I like Aho. I like Svechnikov. I like Taravainen. We didn't really see their best in round one, and I think you know Aho is more focused on playing a, a a complete game than just an offensive game. And good for him. And that's the big reason why they won that first series. But I think you got the 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 offensive firepower. I think you got to give the edge to the Rangers in that one. Yeah, which is strange because when you look at the Hurricanes, they do have good players. They do put up a lot of goals. They were top 10 in the league this year, and they scored more goals than the New York Rangers. But for whatever reason, I agree with you. I, I don't trust the Carolina Hurricanes. I said that it could be a clip. Playoffs. For whatever reason, I agree with you. Yeah, you should I, play that over time. But I, do, I don't trust these guys. They were – they scored way more goals than the Rangers during the regular season. They had 27 more goals. And that's a lot, you know, that, that's a, a sizable amount, but when it comes down to it, when it's a, a must win game, when they have to get some points, you got to get that goal. I don't trust Sebastian Ajo, Tuevo Teravainen, all of the Carolina hurricanes, Trochik or whoever it may be. I don't trust them to get that goal. I don't know why. Maybe they haven't done it when it comes down to crunch time, but the Rangers really aren't that much better. But I do trust a Panarin. I do trust a Kreider. I do trust a Zabinijad. I expect them to come through when they need to. And they proved that during the Penguin series. Panarin gets the overtime winner to seal the series. I don't see it from Carolina. I, I just don't. I hope they prove me wrong, but I agree with you. I think when it comes down to forwards, I'm taking the Rangers. I, I think they have the better top-tier forwards than the hurricanes do that's a great great uh great eye on that tim what do we got on defense on defense i think you have to give it to the canes um during the regular season they allowed the fewest goals in the entire league uh just about two goals a game just just slightly over and i haven't watched every game from the first round you saw how good they were that that shutdown line that they have with jordan stall the, the top pairing they have with Pesci and Shea, they're just so good defensively. They're so stifling in the new, in the neutral zone. And they saw some pretty good goaltending, which we'll get to. On the flip side, the Rangers have allowed the most goals in the playoffs so far, which includes the team that have been eliminated. Um, so that's something that they need to work on. And Shesterkin will be a big part of that. But I think you have to give that to the, the Hurricanes in this one. 
Well, without a doubt, that was that was the big question mark with the Rangers going into this offseason. We said it when we did our breakdown of the teams where they're going to fail, and that was the deal with Pittsburgh too. Uh, it did not surprise me that all those games were such high-scoring affairs because going into the playoffs, Penguins' defense was questionable. The Rangers was just as bad. They have Adam Fox, Norris Trophy winner, more known for his offense. Then you got a couple young guys, Miller, Jacob Truba, good. Justin Braun, been around the block. Eh, you know, and then you got Schneider and Lindgren. So it's not an imposing defense like the Carolina Hurricanes have. Tony Delangelo, a fantastic pickup from the Rangers. That's going to be an interesting aspect to this series. And then, yeah, you have world-class defensemen, Jakob Slavin or Jacob Slavin, whoever you want to, wherever he wants to come from. I don't know. Then there's Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Ian Cole, Brennan Smith. They are hard-nosed physical defensemen who punish you in their own end and they make a good first pass to get out of the zone. It's, it's meat and potatoes defense from the Carolina hurricanes. Other than Tony Delangelo, the other five are, you do not want to play against these guys. You honestly don't. What are you rolling your eyes at me for? D'Angelo. D'Angelo. So I, so I say every time in the, these listeners, they, Oh, you saying the name wrong. It's Tony De- Delan- Delangelo. Who cares? <laughs> it's, it is what it is. But uh, the other five guys, Slavin, Shea, Pesci, Smith, and Ian Cole, I love the way they play. They play just physical, no-nonsense defense, and it's great to watch. And I don't think the Rangers want to be matched up versus these guys every single night because they're going to make you pay. They're going to punish you every time you come into the zone. And that is a good thing to have on your back end when it comes to the playoff times, because boy, oh boy, it's going to be, it's going to be a long series. This one, I envision this one going seven games too. There's very evenly matched teams. All right. What else we got, Tim? Uh, Let's look at their depth quickly. I would call this pretty much a draw. Um, The Rangers have some deep lines, you know, the four good lines, especially those younger players that have stepped up. Lafreniere had a good first round. Capo made a couple of big plays. You got those guys, but I think, um, the Canes are just as deep. And so, you know, I think both teams are going to are gonna roll their lines and, and go for matchups. So I would call that a depth there. Do you agree? A tie yeah, I agree. I, I think if Barkley Goodrow comes back, that obviously helps the Rangers. He pushes someone down off that fourth line, and he, he's been missed. He, he's done it before with Tampa Bay. He's a proven commodity. You can throw him out on the penalty kill, and he's a physical guy. He, he's a Reeves-type player, but he's more offensively gifted than Ryan Reeves, much more. So they, they got Revo in the lineup right now, but if Barclay came back, that would be a big boost to that third and fourth line. And I, I still think Lafreniere and Kako, if they can somehow just continue to grow, continue to get more confident out there, that is going to be a difference maker. They, they showed it a little versus the Pittsburgh series, but not that much. I think they need to take that next step and they got to start shooting the puck. They got to be a little more aggressive. I, I just don't think they are as aggressive as they need to be in order to be successful in this league. And it's, gosh, their first round picks. They got to figure it out. So the depth, yeah, I think it is a tie, a wash. There's more veteran leadership when it comes to Carolina. But if I'm picking a third and fourth line, I think I'm going to go with the Rangers. Just, to, just based on offensive upside. I think the Rangers have more offensive upside in their third and fourth line. Goaltending. This is, this is a clear a clear one at one way for the Rangers, right? Or is it not? Well, it, it should be. It should be. Shesterkin is, you know, a top one or two goal in the entire league, but we had not seen the regular Shesterkin in the first round so far. So the big question is whether he can return to regular season form. On the flip side of the ice, um, the Hurricanes, we saw, you know, obviously Freddie Anderson was hurt. Antti Randall went down, but for the most part, he played, I think, five 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 and a half games, and he looked really good. 
for the most part. Uh, he's given a chance to win just about every game, and I think he'll be starter for game one tonight. And so, you know, assuming that Shesterkin can play better, I think you have to give the edge to the Rangers, but you also have potentially Freddie Anderson returning, which we'll kind of get into next. But I think, I think yeah, it's got to be the Rangers. Agreed. Well, why are you going to get to it next? What, what are we doing now? Well, I just the, – the kind of the X factor to the series, you know, the – the, the keys to the series is going to be the goaltending, I think, for both sides of the ice. Which version of Shesterkin are we going to see? And then, you know, potentially if Freddie Anderson comes back, how game-ready is he? Do you, do you stick him in? Do you give him a chance to start a game? Do you wait until they did, like, uh, oh, what series was it when the guy complained about getting the first start in an elimination game in the first round? What, that was Minnesota, was Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot, yeah. And then same with Tristan Jerry starting game seven after not playing for a couple months. So I, yeah. I don't think – I hope they learn from that, um, those examples. But I do think he's given them a better chance to win. He's obviously a, a great goaltender. So that'll be a key to this as well. Totally agree. So at the end of the day, who's going to win this series? They go up tonight, or who's going to win game one, Tim? Rangers, Carolina. It's going to be in Carolina. Big game one tonight. Who are you taking? Yeah, I like Carolina tonight. Very good. All right, let's move on. Calgary, Edmonton. Western Conference, last game of the second round. Both these teams coming in. Game seven wins. Probably a little tired, but they're going to have zero travel. They can ride their bikes to the, each other's rinks. That's how close they are. What do we got? Let's, let's, let's dig into the offense because I think when you look at these two teams, they're known for the offense, especially Cal, or, uh, excuse me, Edmonton. That's all they're known for. Their defense is just atrocious. They have the best player in the world in Connor McDavid. He proved it in the first round. The guy was unbelievable. John Seidel, just as good. These two guys carried this team to the second round. They had no business being in the second round the way L.A. played. But they did. McDavid played great. John Seidel played great. Evander Kane scored a ton of goals. But when it comes to your offense, and I know you differ from me on this, I think this is a clear advantage for Calgary. From top to bottom, I think they have maybe, well, obviously they don't have the top high-end player. Because Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid. But Elias Lindholm is not bad. He's a good player. 40 plus goals this season, had a good first round playoffs. He is no slouch when it comes to putting pucks behind the behind the goaltender. You got Michael Blackland in your second line center, Kale Yarnkark, who they picked up in the third uh, at the trade deadline. You got Trevor Lewis to anchor your fourth line. Every single line on Calgary can score, they can put up points. They did it throughout the season, they did it in the playoffs. There is no way you can tell me that Edmonton's offense is better than Calgary's. No possible way that I will ever agree to that. Calgary is by far leaps and bounds better when it comes to the forward group than the Edmonton Oilers are. I couldn't even tell you who the third and fourth line is for the Edmonton Oilers. That's that's how invisible they were last series. Like they did absolutely nothing. The Nuge was awful. Derek Ryan maybe took a couple D zone draws. Josh Archibald. Zach Cassian, oh, he he's so tough. The Zach attack, he's garbage. He's garbage. So this is a, yeah. a glaring advantage for Calgary. And don't even try to persuade me otherwise. Well, I'm going to. And so oh. I, 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 I don't disagree with, you know, except for I don't think it's glaring. Like you say, I would probably call, call it closer to a draw. And during the regular season, there were only six goals apart. And I know they added Tyler Toffoli during the course of the season. Um, but the Oilers also added uh, Evander Kane during the course of the season, too. So they really are close. They, the Flames are deeper, for sure, uh, up front. But I think the Oilers, their stars are so good that it makes up for that. 
And that's, you know, in the first round, I know that these series were completely different stories and Dallas played them tough, but the Oilers scored 27 goals in the first round and the Flames only scored 15. And so I know you can't really, it's kind of apples to apples a little bit just because apples to oranges, just because the teams were so different that they played and everything. But that's that's a pretty striking difference. So I think I think the Oilers are, are their, their stars are good enough that it makes up for that. And I think it's probably closer than you think. Well, yeah. McDavid makes up for a lot of bad third, fourth line play. The guy, the guy plays 27 minutes a game. So that's unheard of for a forward. They just you keep throwing him out there. And I don't blame Woody for doing that. Why would you not? Just go back to the well every other shift. Connor, you're going out there again. You're going out there again. You're our horse. We're going to ride you until you're absolutely dead. So if they keep doing that, maybe it is a wash. Because how can you overcome how good 97 is? The guy's an absolute just – he's a wagon. All right, on the back end, another glaring – one side of the fair, in my opinion, Calgary Flames, unbelievable. And I'm going to put an asterisk next to this because their defense, it's not just the six guys back there. I, I truly believe it's a five man unit. Whenever Calgary's out there, they work so well together. They don't get overextended the forwards. They're never just too deep on the four check. The defensemen never really pinch too much and give up odd man rushes. They're very structurally sound. They very rarely make, make mistakes. If you watch that Dallas Stars series, it wasn't a case of Dallas getting two on ones and three on twos and breakaways. It was just a chess match up and down the ice. Okay, we're not going to make a mistake. Dallas never made a mistake. And they try to take advantage of the other team's mistakes. That didn't happen. It was two well-coached, very disciplined teams. Edmonton is not – I don't want to slight Woody. He's only been there for half a season. They make a lot of mistakes. They make a ton of mistakes defensively. They get caught out of position. They overextend themselves. And they have to do that because they're not going to win a game one nothing if you're the Edmonton Oilers especially when you play a team like the Flames who have proven goal scorers. L.A. was fun. They were cute. They didn't have many explosive forwards who were going to expose you. When you play the Calgary Flames, if you make a mistake, Johnny Gaudreau is going to score. Mangiapane is going to score. Dylan Dubé is going to score. Toffoli is going to score. They have players who are going to make you pay when you make a mistake. So it's going to be a drastically different series, I think, versus the L.A. series. And it's because the, the Flames play such good team defense and they go from offense to or defense to offense so good, better than anybody in the league. Well, I want Colorado looks pretty good. But then you look at the Oilers, their best defenseman was their worst defenseman last series. Darnell Nurse was just brutal, absolutely brutal. Cody Ceci could barely get a job in the NHL and he's in their first pairing. If it's not good, it's not good. This is such a one side of the fair tip. Well, yeah, the Oilers' defense got exposed a couple of times, too, throughout that series. And you know they have a, they're a tougher time with those, like, younger, speedier guys. And so you know that Johnny Gaudreau is going to just embarrass Duncan Keith, Bouchard pairing at least once in the series to a point where he's just flying down the zone, just zips through the outside, cuts across, he's going to score. I'm, I'm, I can see it like it already happened. Yeah, it's going to be tough sledding for the Oilers. It, it really is. It's going to be rocking. It, gosh, just, this could be another sweep. I'm calling it now. It's over. Why even bother? Four Calgary's sweeps, gonna, huh? It's going to be four sweeps. This, <laughs> it's going to be crazy. But, yeah, so I think defense edge goes to the Flames. When it comes to depth, again, the Flames. How can you not say the Flames are not a deep of a team? From top to bottom, first to fourth, first line D pairing, second, third, every edge goes to the Flames when it comes to depth. Even in goaltending, the Flames win that. You can't argue that either. 
right, Tim? You can't. No, you can't. You can't. They, they don't have. They don't have a match for that. And then goaltending. Uh, who's got the edge in goaltending? I think we know that too. Like, uh, come on, Tim. Come on. Yeah. Again, not close. Markstrom is by far the better goalie. Although I will say, Smith surprised some people, including you, in that first round. He had a couple shutouts. He played well when he needed to. I think. I think the the difference I saw with him was the playing well when he needed to. Like I just said, like the the big games, he responded. He he lived up to that moment. And so I give him credit, but yeah, this is Markstrom. He's a better goalie by far. Yep. Smitty played well. We'll see if he can keep it up because he's going to have to, because the flames are going to be coming hard. X factor. Who is the X factor? I think we already know it. He's the X factor every time he's on the ice. Yeah. Derek Ryan, obviously. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Nick David, you know, where he goes, the Oilers go. And I was thinking about this this morning, you know, it seemed like he's reached a whole new level in this, in this, this playoffs, but what seems a little bit different for the Oilers and why they think they'll make it a series is that they are not really as it's not as good as the Flames as a, as a team, but it seems like they're they've gotten a little bit better. The rest of the team that they're good enough where having a player that can carry you, they can do the, they can pick up the pieces a little bit. Where in the past, McDavid was doing his thing, but they weren't good enough to to make up for that. And now I think they might be. So the big question is, what, will the Flames be able to contain him? How, how much is he going to be able to carry the team on his back? It's a tall order. That's a, that's a tough seven-game series against a Daryl Sutter coach Calgary Flames team. I don't see that working out in their favor, but nothing that he can do will surprise me. Yeah, I agree. And the other X factor is dry inside. All these two guys, they're, they, they form the nuclear option. They're playing on the same line. He absolutely destroyed the Flames this season. They played four times. I think he had 12 points in four games, or if not more. He was on fire every time they played these guys. It was always high-scoring affairs. It was 5-2, 5-3, And then the final game was 3-1 for the Flames. But other than that, that one game, it was just – John Seidel was out of this world. McDavid's was, was good. So they're going to get their points. You're not going to be able to shut those two guys down. You can limit them to find the Flames. You can have three goals a game. That's what we'll give you, which is a lot for one line. Three goals. Here you go. One on the power play, two on the power play, one five on five. We'll still win every game. We'll still win every game if you guys get three goals. That's that's my prediction. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. Every game is going to be over six goals. It's just going to be up and down the ice. There's going to be power plays. There's going to be scrums. There's going to be goals. It's going to be fantastic. There's going to be not a lot of defense. I think Edmonton will average three or four goals a game. Calgary's going to average five or six. It's going to be a fantastic series to watch, I hope. But it, I, I just think Calgary's too much for Edmonton. It was a fun run. We said they had an easy easy road to make the playoffs because Vegas turtled and stunk and so did Vancouver at the beginning of the season. That's why they got in. They got a gift by playing LA in the first round. Now they're in the second round. Now this is big boy hockey. Now this is these are very good teams. Calgary is a legit Stanley Cup contender. Edmonton is not. So I think it's going to be drastically apparent who is the better team from the drop of this puck tonight. And it's going to be Calgary. When your best player of all time, Wayne Gretzky, picks the Calgary Flames to win, you know you're in trouble because he wants to pick the Oilers. He wants to do everything. Like he would love to pick the Oilers, but he can't because it's that obvious that Calgary is that much of a better of a team. So Calgary is going to win. I hope Edmonton keeps it close. I hope McDavid is able to just carry the team on his back for a couple wins, but I don't know. I don't know, Tim. All right, let's get to points, Ben. Who do we got? We'll do tonight's games and we'll do tomorrow night's games. So we got four games on the docket. Let's start with tonight. Rangers and Carolina, I think I, I already sold the lead. You already gave us your pick. But to solidify this for our fans, who are you picking? Rangers, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. And I think I would pick the under in this game, too. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a good tight game. 
I think it's going to be tight, and I'm going the Rangers. I think Shashirskin's going to step up for this game. He's embarrassed after the round one performance, so I'm taking the Rangers with the under as well. All right, now we're going to Calgary and Edmonton. Who do you got? Uh, Calgary. Yeah, Calgary. Of course, every single game. All right, now we're going to go to games two. Bolts, Panthers. Can the Panthers respond and take game two and somehow make this a series? I think I think they do. I think they do. All right, I'm going Tampa Bay for the sweep, Tampa Bay. And then the Avs and the Blues. Can the Avs put more pucks behind Bennington? Can the Blues somehow respond to getting absolutely just their doors beat off? I think they do. I think we see both teams make it one-to-one in that in the, Oh, in that boy, game. I think it's going to be two-rip, Avalanche, hammer the over. I think it's going to be just a seven-to-three game. I think the Avs are going to start scoring those goals. Bennington cannot continue this streak. He just can't do it. What I can't do is continue this podcast. We're too good. So we'll see everybody on Friday. It's only Wednesday. So everybody have a good hump day. We'll check you back in a couple days. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.